Thanks for tuning in to the CoLive podcast, where we explore learnings, insights, and discussions with co-living operators and professionals from around the world. If you're a first-time listener on our podcast, just a quick reminder that CoLive is the world's largest co-living association with the goal to connect, educate, and empower co-living professionals. Today's episode has been recorded during one of our monthly meetups, where we discuss a wide variety of topics related to co-living. To join our network or find out about future meetups and other events, please visit colive.org. That's C-O-L-I-V.org. Let's hop right in to today's episode. Um, so yeah, for those of you who don't know, LifeX is a surprise co-living company. Um, we started in 2017, um, started out in Copenhagen. So we're a Danish company, um, but we're now in several other cities in Europe, um, Paris, London, Vienna, Berlin, Munich, and just recently opened Brussels, actually. So it's super exciting. Um, I would say that our main difference with other clothing companies is that we have Nordic roots, obviously. So we pay a lot of attention to design and how we design our spaces, um, practical spaces that are, um, you know, that are made for people to thrive in, really. Um, and also that we are a very family style oriented co-living, meaning that we um, we operate in a way that people feel comfortable. So five, six, seven people max in an apartment, even though now we're moving to bigger projects with maybe bigger surfaces. But um, but that's mostly the assets that we operate. Um, a little bit about me. I started working at LifeX almost two years ago now as a growth manager, and now I'm developing our um, presence and growth for the French market. So that's oh, a bit cool. about me and LifeX. Yeah. And uh, is it true that you were living in uh, one of your spaces in, in Copenhagen? Yes, it is true. Um, I've lived in several apartments in Copenhagen, so tried out different environments. Um, and, um, and it's a great experience, I have to say. So we, most of the employees that are actually working at LifeX uh, right now and that have worked there um, have lived or are currently living in a LifeX apartment, which I think is also making a tremendous difference um, in how we, you know, uh, envision the product and how we interact with our members, putting ourselves in, in our members' shoes and just, um, you know, just understanding the product better and what our members want. I think that's really, really important. Mm, great. And yeah. uh, since you're now responsible for like the French market, how would you say yeah. like the differences in growth and scaling opportunities in, in the Nordics or like in particular than Copenhagen perhaps versus versus uh, France? Like what are your thoughts? So obviously, um, I mean, since we started out in Copenhagen um, a while back, we are two years old in France and um, and four, almost five years old in Copenhagen um, in Denmark. So um, obviously, our, the market in Copenhagen is more mature for us, I would say. I don't know if, if another clothing company was to uh, implement itself there. I don't know how, how they would be able to grow. But for us, at least I can see the the market is mature because we get assets organically now. I mean, real estate companies come to us, which is the dream, right? Um, uh, when people come to you and are like, hey, I have this asset, can you please operate it? Then we're like, yes. Um, so right now, this is what's happening. Uh, we work with um, real estate companies like um, Yodain or Herbo. Um, and I can really see that 
Um, so we have about 40, I think we're, we're reaching 50 now assets um, in, just in Copenhagen. So it's, it's almost half of our assets globally. Um, and we're reaching a point where we really have, we can really see that we've established really trusted relationships with those, with those partners. So individual landlords and real estate companies, and hence that's why they're coming to us um, now organically. Um, in Paris, it's different. I would say that whenever you start a new market, you need to start creating those trust relationships. Um, even though we're big in Copenhagen and we're a pan-European company and we're experienced in operating assets, you always need to like um, grow those relationships. So it's a bit different. However, we can see that um, there's quite many co-living companies now in Paris and in France. Um, and the market is huge. Um, I think for us, London and, and uh, Paris are our two biggest markets in terms of opportunities. So it's mm. super interesting. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of different markets as well in terms of the assets that we get. In Copenhagen, we get really um, high quality assets easily, I would say now. Um, in Paris, it's a little bit more different because the profiles of owners are different. Uh, for the assets that are high quality, I'm talking Hosmanian apartments. Um, hence why we, um, and also of course the size of what you get within Paris versus just a bit outside of Paris. Um, hence why in Copenhagen, it's, it's easy for us to be, you know, right in the center of the city with, with ama amazing assets. And in Paris um, to get those assets with an exterior, um, a, a lot of space, um, we, we might need to go a bit outside of Paris. Mm. And you're in a LifeX apartment right now, right? Yes, in a house um, in the middle of Paris where we do have a garden, which is very rare. Um, I feel very lucky that, you know, we're able to operate such asset, And uh, our members really, really love the fact that we have a garden because, I mean, we're literally 20, 20 meters away from um, Metro Station in one of the, I would say best arrondissement in Paris um, to get food and just, you know, um, get some entertainment. So this is a um, very high quality asset for us, definitely. Definitely. And I can see how you can increase like quality of life uh, in, in Paris that has suffered so much uh, in the lockdown and so on in the last uh, year. Yeah, I would say that one of the main um one of the main uh, comment we got and feedback we got from our members is that they were very thankful and this sounds a bit cheesy, but they were indeed very thankful that they had other people to share this with. Cause especially in France, I mean, lockdowns have been pretty hard on people. We're a country that's also very much oriented towards food and then sharing, you know, moments around food and um, with friends and family. And, and I can see that people have been really impacted um, mental, like psychologically by this. Um, of course, everywhere else is the same, but, you know, I'm French, so maybe I feel a bit more for French people. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the feedback that we got is that people were super happy that they got other people to share this with and, and that they were not alone um, in this experience of COVID. Um, and definitely, you know, what we're trying to do, what we've always tried to do is get assets that are not exceptionally um, well located, but also offer an exterior, so balcony, garden. And in Paris, I think it's even more important because it's so hard to get um, this type of asset, as I said, in the city center. So we're really trying to um, to sign assets that indeed do have an exterior, offer more shared spaces, where the bedrooms are a bit bigger, where you get your own bathroom. You know, all those things are super, super important. And they've proven to be 
even more important um, with remote work and, and lockdowns now here. Yeah, definitely. And um, if we go to like your expertise, which is obviously growth and uh, then also sustainable uh, real estate, like how are you guys looking also into like your bigger projects, as you said, uh, like in sustainable construction? I had a breakout room with uh, Aubin, who is like an expert in yeah. design and build in the sustainable construction industry. So how, how are your thoughts on uh, incorporating sustainability on a real estate level or either from like macro and then, and then even to the micro in the way people recycle or, or things mm. where you organize your spaces? Yeah, so I think for us, I mean, from the beginning, as I said, what we focused on was design um, just in terms of aesthetic, but also the fact that we've invested in in our design, not just how the apartments are set up, but just what we put in our apartments in terms of fabric, materials, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I know, for instance, for a fact that 95% of the wood that we use, and we, we're an Arctic brand, so we use a lot of wood in our apartments, um, is coming from, um, is actually FSC certified. Um, so, I mean, you know, investing in, in what we put in our apartments, in, in the furniture, means that it's going to be long lasting and that we don't have to um, replace it in one, two, three years rather than, um, you know, in maybe 10, 15 years um, and that there's going to be um, less wear and tear. So this is very, very important for us. Respectful material, the fact that, you know, our furniture is long lasting and that it's coming from sustainable sources. Um, we, we also try our best to repair instead of replace, as I said, but that also comes down to um, the electronics like equipment that we have in the kitchen, TVs, things like this. Um, when it's possible, of course. Um, in all our apartments, we have recycling bins. So this is coming again on the on the micro level. But um, on the more macro level, um, we are very, very interested in um, incentivizing our members and our community. And that's the second, I would say, biggest aspect at LifeX in terms of sustainability. We've done that since the beginning, I would say, but now even more because we also see a lot of demand from our members. They're very interested in, in actually also seeing us do more and we completely understand that. So we're trying to bring our community on board when it comes to incentivizing our members. Um, for instance, we sponsor different events that are oriented towards sustainability. The other day we sponsored um, zero waste dinner um, and there was literally one apartment that brought their own containers to the restaurant and sent us a picture of that, which I found um, was awesome. Um, every year we have Earth Day and we also sponsor dinners around Earth Day. So in general, I find that, you know, those, um, those kind of incentives are very, very welcomed. But I can also see that in our apartments, you know, it's coming again organically because I can see, you know, I can, I can notice conversations between members sometimes just um, uh, asking others, oh, you, you just left the lights on. Is it on purpose or can I just go and turn it off uh, or closing the, the fridge door, you know, things like this. Um, so it's coming from us, but it's so very much coming from them. I think it's a, it's a generational question I would say because I think our generation is is um, um, is very very interested in those topics but uh, but we're trying our best to you know also bring um, bring things from our side as I said the furniture and those events and things like this um, from a real estate perspective um, since that was <laughs> your question at the very beginning kind of uh, um, turn a corner here but um, <laughs> we haven't had the opportunity so far to completely design an asset from A to Z we are right now in discussion. We've signed um, bigger projects where we will be 
Um, but, uh, but, you know, there's basic things, for instance, uh, windows, making sure that the insulation is very good, um, phonic, but also, you know, of course, for um, uh, energy uh, consumption reasons. Um, as I said, picking materials that are uh, the best as possible in terms of uh, eco-friendly, uh, from an eco-friendly perspective. So those are the things that we are, we're interested in, uh, obviously. Um, and we have advisors that are also very much um, pushing us for that. So I think it's, it's a, kind of a common effort that we share within the company and with our members. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, I had a little question here on that topic from Alex. Alex, did you want to unmute yourself and ask your question? Yeah, sure, sure. Hi, Carla. Nice to meet you. Hi, um, nice to meet you. I, I'm currently I'm the Italian Swiss ambassador for Colive, uh, working on switching from co-working. We managed from eight years to Colive. The point is how to start to bring a reputation on the local market and local investor. So the ideal co-living building is we call the big whales, <laughs> 2,000, 3,000, etc. Uh, because as you know, the communities could be much more people, maybe some complication because again, too much people, but for sure is something that in the growing uh, path is better for investor, a real estate investor mentality. But the point is you need to have a reputation. So other way is start with little one, 200, 300 square meter. Uh, but then we see two models. People stuck on 200, 300 and replication, replicate on one city like Paris or whatever, or switch to the big whales after mm. piloting. Uh, what, are, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, like you're starting a new market and, and Laura too, maybe, <laughs> because you are in the same stage at least with your two companies. So if I understand your question, you're saying that there's two ways. There's either a way where you stay small and then you don't maybe attract investors and you maybe becomes like a, li a lifestyle business. Well, well we, or you, you, you stay small. When I say small, it's not small in terms of uh, revenue, in terms of growing, mm -hmm. in terms of a real single building. So I can mm -hmm. build a 100 in Paris, 100 uh, building uh, around 200, 300 square meter mm -hmm. or after the piloting, that is something you can afford, maybe mm -hmm. not you, I mean, your company can afford better because it's manageable. Then the, at least the investor I know, they prefer to invest something bigger. And so you can, again, you can stay on multiple medium size or after the medium side and prove your concept to your investors, switch to the big whales. So what, what is your thought or what is the company, you can disclose your company uh, st strategy to grow? Um, so I think that, um, you know, there's several ways that uh, clothing companies as you said, just operate. Um, and I think we all have different strategies. I think for us, it's very much about, you know, I mean, obviously, as I said, we're a pan-European company. So we, we have assets in very different markets. Um, we were talking about Paris. Paris is completely different from Copenhagen. We're playing around with um, companies that have a different vision yet, I would say, of, of co-living. Um, so definitely, I would say that in France, for instance, there's still some work to do and some convincing to do to get those big blocks. And hence, that's why we 
started out with a very central value proposition to show that we could have high occupancy and that we could generate demand, and we did. And now we're moving towards um, bigger assets and bigger deals. Uh, I mentioned um, I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe going outside of Paris and operating bigger assets there because in in the middle of Paris, it's either very expensive to have big assets, or or then for your money, you get something that doesn't maybe make the economics work. So definitely in Paris, what we're doing right now is that we went from a, a very uh, urban uh, value proposition and we're moving towards uh, maybe a bit less central um, of Paris uh, proposition, however, with other advantages, um, but also targeting maybe other types of people that would not move in with us if we were in central Paris because less shared spaces, less private spaces. Um, so that's what we're doing in Paris. Um, in Copenhagen, we've just signed um, a deal with um, the biggest uh, Danish pension fund. So we are moving um, also towards bigger assets. But definitely something that I can see has a huge potential, I would say, is even though we were focused on family cycle living, which meant that we would be between five and seven people in one apartment, what we see is that people do move out of those kind of co-living environments to you know, either live with their partner or just get some, some time on their own before they buy, for instance. So what I can see uh, as an opportunity for us, um, no matter the market is actually associating those two types, uh, meaning having some, some bigger apartments um, mixed with some smaller units. And I think that by diversifying what we can offer at different stages of people's lives is also a way for us to attract investors because different investors see different values in different types of assets. Some of them really do feel like co-living can only work like we do family style. And some people do think that studio, um, studio apartments are, are the way to go and that's how we can grow. Um, so for me, one of the answers is definitely diversification. Thank you. Very, very interesting. Your, your experience and uh, your plans. Yeah, it's super interesting. I haven't yet had the pleasure to visit the LifeX space, but I absolutely uh, love your website and I love your, your design. I'm obviously an architect as a base. And I think it's really uh, cool, even that it's so recognizable, the way you have your little cone light on, above your dining table and you know that you're in a LifeX uh, space. Oh, That's yeah, one. there it is. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah, it's just right here. Yeah, there it is. So I think those little those little touches that uh, that make it uh, that make you know that you're in a brand, but it's not like too much. It's just like a yeah. little brand statement that makes it feel very Scandi, right, as well, and very and very Nordic. Yeah, I mean, I think that definitely one of the one of the main um, one of the main kind of things about Nordic design is that it is long-lasting furniture that you can keep for 10, 20, 30 years, but also that it's quite minimalistic. So we don't need to furnish a lot, but just the furniture that we put in our apartments is very much, um, you know, I would say quite stylish and recognizable. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and to go back to the, to the growth, uh, how many uh, beds are you operating right now? And what's, what's your plan for like uh, the next year or... Uh, or 2030, 2050, what's, uh, what's your expansion plan? 
So right now uh, we have around 400 uh, members present at any time in our um, seven different cities now. Um, and we have, we operate a bit more than um, 75, I think we're around 80 assets now. Um, I need to keep up to date because we just sign new deals every day. So, um, but yeah, a bit more than 80 assets. Um, our plans are very aggressive, I would say. We've seen, of course, a little bit of a um, kind of a, uh, a down with COVID, which I think everyone has noticed. Um, but we can see that the markets are really picking up fast and we see a lot of demand coming in all our markets from the member perspective, from the tenants perspective, um, which is really encouraging us to keep on working those growth plans. Um, we have um, we have a goal of reaching a thousand rooms by next year, by the end of next year. So very aggressive growth targets, but we're on path to uh, to achieving it because, as I said, you know we see that um, getting assets organically thanks to our experience now is, uh, is something that definitely helps. But also having all those trusted um, relationships with real estate partners is super important, and we're we're getting there in most of our markets. So. Um, so definitely um, not unattainable. Super. And what's uh, like you've been living in the life X in uh, Copenhagen and in in Paris, as we uh, yeah. as we can see. Like, what is it that makes you uh, apart from apart from your lovely lamp? What what is it that makes you <laughs> feel like personally? Okay, now I know I'm in life X, uh, and I know what the what what were the differences also for you. So what's the What's the life yeah. experience for you and what's the local difference uh, that's important in your life? Um, so I would say for me, there's really three things that make me feel whenever I come into a LifeX apartment that this is LifeX. As I said, the first thing is the high quality of assets. I'm talking structurally. So the assets in itself, very good uh, location. So we are always central, always start central at least. As I said, now in some cities, we're expanding a little bit because... In Copenhagen, for instance, we, we we see so much demand that we have to expand to other areas as well. Uh, in wow. Paris, yeah, in uh, in Paris, it's for a, for a shared space reason and for exterior reasons, but um, but definitely very good location, um, urban value proposition. Um, the second thing would be design. Have to talk about it again because it is true that you know we put a lot of effort in our design, furniture, and and how we set up our assets. Um, and, you know, for instance, we work with um, a lot of Nordic brands like Hey um, or FDB, you know, um, all those amazing um, Nordic designers. Um, and the third thing is community. Um, I think that's something that is very, very clear at LifeX is that, you know, we have a lot of different people coming from uh, different countries with different backgrounds, very international crowd. Um, we also welcome couples, which is something that not every co-living company does. Um, so different stages of life, um, different uh, profiles, um, and very international crowd. Cool. And when you say about the different uh, stages in life, are you also planning on doing like uh, a lot of operators are planning, you know, family uh, co-living yeah. apart from the family senior. stay, but yeah, senior or people with uh, with kids, so that uh, you can really expand the community and you could live in like LifeX, you know, for for life. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> LifeX for life, that, that sounds great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so there, nothing is, I would say, off the table. 
um, you know, we're a startup, so we, we also um, we get a lot of feedback from our members and we know most of the time why they leave us. And right now, um, when they leave, it's not because they don't like the, ex they don't like the um, experience anymore. It's mostly because, as I said, they found a partner. So then it would be more of a private space that they're looking for. Um, or just because they moved to another country um, and they're relocating somewhere else and hence why, you know, being pan-European also really helps. Um, so, as I said, nothing is off the table right now. We really focus on our concept and proven concept in those seven cities, which is already a, a, a huge task because um, you need to be profitable, which is something that's super important now after we've had the WeWork experience, you know, um, it, it's super important for us to show that we can be profitable and that we can show um, a real uh, testimony of, of love for a product in all those cities. Um, that's the first step. And of course, you know, second step could be, um, like you say, life X for life, which I really like. Um, could be senior living, uh, could be family style, but really family, family, um, apartments. Um, I mean, nothing else is off the table. Actually, you know, being a Danish company, um, we often say that Coliving was born in Denmark, you know, um, there's a very community-oriented society. Um, I also know that you know Sweden and Norway share this, but in 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 Denmark nowadays you can still find huge building blocks where people actually meet uh, once a month and take care of their gardens together, um, and and you know leave the kids to the neighbor or whatever. It's it's really something that is rooted in the society and that is really interesting. And and I think that coming from there, it, it could be natural that you know the loop it, it goes back to that. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm actually aware of some of some of those projects that people do, but it's rather on their own where they live two, three families together in a big apartment um, in Copenhagen. I've heard that before and wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a, a commercial offer um, in the short term. Cool. That's super nice. And could you tell us a bit more about like your growth uh, criteria for LifeX? You say obviously location is uh, yeah. is one, and the, the profitability that has to uh, be there to prove to your uh, investors. Are there any other like key criteria that uh, you want to share as your I mean, tips? Yeah, I mean it really. Um, you know, as, as I said, Copenhagen is our biggest market, so we we can we get to be peaky in Copenhagen. Um, we, we always, um, uh, aim for profitability. I would say this is very, very important. So we never take an asset just because, um, we always are very thorough about, uh, our economics and, and how we think about, um, this asset will perform, I would say, um, uh, in terms of member experience, but also obviously in terms of economics. Um, so that's the key criteria, obviously. Um, but, uh, but of course we really, put emphasis on those exterior spaces. Um, right now for the bigger assets, we always try to, um, we always try to design um, a working from home space for our members. Um, garden, terrace, anything that can give you a view of the outside and can enhance the member experience is very, very welcome. Um, but yeah, I would say that um, location is also super, super key needs to be close to public transportation, um, even I would say walking uh, distance, like not more than 10 minutes, um, just because, you know, uh, again, with COVID people really, um, I mean, we, we find that our members really um, put emphasis on convenience um, and, you know, being close to amenities um, and entertainment around them. Um, 
and more and more people coming into our sets use electric scooters, for instance. They don't have cars, they don't have things like this. So, so this is, um, you know, location and public transport is uh, public transport is also very very important, definitely. So yeah, I would say those super, are four, yeah. four big ones. Definitely, and super important in order to be uh, able to do the sustainable real estate development is already by uh, getting those yes. locations close to public transport. And like you say, not using uh, cars necessarily no. and other forms of sustainable transportation is obviously key part of the, the co-living yeah. sustainable development. Yeah. Mm. I think my internet is uh, messing up a little bit. I can hear you fine. Okay. <laughs> Great. And one specific question I always like to ask is like, what's your uh, three worst things about co-living and your three best things about co-living? Um, personally, you mean? What yeah, I think? personally. Yeah. yeah. So what we were discussing right off, uh, like offline just before the event started is, um, I think everyone has their own uh, co-living um, thing, you know, when they live with people, just not even co-living, but you know, when you live with people, even with your family, sometimes there's something that might annoy you. Uh, I think for me, I don't have like one thing except maybe when guys leave the toilet seat up. Um, <laughs> but apart from that, what I said earlier is that um, there's always someone that's going to leave something somewhere that maybe annoys you. It depends if you have a good day or a bad day. And I think that, you know, our work is actually really kind of taking those um, annoying things out of people's lives and, and, and also making up through the community aspect. So when you get to know people, um, you put yourself in their shoes better. You, you, um, you're able to rationalize and think that, well, today it's you who have to clean the, someone else's dirty dishes, but tomorrow it may be them that have to clean um, their dirty dishes. So it's really about understanding, um, you know, uh, that you live with other people and that one day it's you, tomorrow it can be them. Um, so for me, it's not really, it's not really one specific thing. Um, but what I do like um, with co-living is definitely, definitely getting to know people that I would not have gotten to know otherwise. Um, so as I said, you know, a lot of uh, different backgrounds um, with us, but also I'm sure with other co-living um, co companies. Um, and um, yeah, different profiles, learning. I'm a, I'm a, I really like to learn from people's experiences and stories and just living with other people and working with different people. So um, learning from them and hearing their stories, their experience, feedback whatsoever. Very, very grateful to have this um, possibility. Um, and just sharing good moments together. That's definitely the thing that I prefer with Kaluli. That's great. I think it's so amazing that you're actually living in uh, in your space. I think it means uh, a lot. I don't actually know a lot of uh, European, uh, like either co-founders or people at like your level, so kind of like director level in companies that, mm. that do so. I know of one uh, one of our ambassadors in uh, in Brazil. Mm. He lives in he lives in one of his uh, spaces in one of his penthouses in in São Paulo. So I can I can tell you that you know speaking of the assets that we sign again it's it's not too hard <laughs> because again we live in such high quality assets that um, it's uh, I mean I wouldn't be able to run this on my own I mean a house with a garden in the middle of Paris it's uh, or even in Copenhagen the assets that we have 
Uh, you need to be several people to be able to rent those uh, those assets out anyway. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, I can tell you that our founders they were living uh, within a LifeX apartment up until I think it's six months ago. Um, so they were the first one, you know, taking their own medicine and just testing the product up until very recently. Uh, our COO currently lives in one of the uh, LifeX apartments. Um, and um, and yeah, it, what's funny is actually since we've been operating um, since uh, 2017, I know some of our some of my colleagues actually that have lived at the beginning in a LifeX apartment and then dropped out and moved in with their partner and then moved out because they broke up or you know something happened in their life and then they moved back in, which is very very funny, um, but also super convenient uh, because they always know that. LifeX has their back and that whenever they need flexibility and convenience and just find something that's of really good quality in the middle of the city, then they can always move in, move back in with us. So mm -hmm. that's definitely uh, one of the pros. And I think one thing you mentioned uh, offline before we started is that uh, you guys actually have like super high quality uh, cleaning, which obviously is another facility for people to, to live cheerfully together. Could you tell us a bit about how you guys organize that and also how you make it work on a, on a business plan level? Because it's uh, obviously a very high operational cost. Yeah. Um, so how do you make it work? Um, well, so, yeah, um, what I was saying is I, you know, just kind of studying other co-living companies. I am not aware of any other co-living companies that has, uh, at least in, in, uh, in France, that has uh, cleaned twice a week. Um, so I don't know, shout, you know, shout out if, if you know of any other, but, uh, but we do have cleaning twice a week, which is, uh, which is very, very, I would say, um, you know, unique um, and quite thorough uh, as well. Not just, you know, uh, coming in and just um, taking off the dust. Uh, it's, it's actually quite thorough and it, it does, I think, of course, participate in making this experience uh, better for our members or I hope. Um, uh, it does represent quite a cost. I mean, if you want to talk numbers, then I will invite our CEO uh, next time because he's he's the real number guy, um, <laughs> making everything works. But uh, but it does represent a cost. I would also say that we are not, uh, and I mean, people can see that we're not the cheapest of co-living uh, options on the market. Um, and you know that um, that is um, uh, that's a consequence of, as I said, you know, high quality assets very urban value proposition, the services we offer, et cetera, et cetera. So it is reflected, I think, um, in our pricing very uh, quite naturally. Um, but for us, it's, it's kind of a um, one of the reasons also why people have a great experience and that we're able to have such high retention rates and also, um, you know, have people who stay. The average stay is, is very long. So uh, for us, uh, so I think that participates definitely. Oh, that's great. We have uh, Dragana. You also have cleaning twice a week in the normal circumstances. And now you have every day a daily cleaning. Yes, we have. Wow. Uh, uh, where are you, where are you operating, Dragana? Uh, in Helsingborg, in Sweden. In Helsingborg, in Sweden. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it's uh, a municipality-owned uh, um, co-living yeah, or uh, housing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, living uh, um, concept, uh, which called Selbo, it's uh, companionship living, uh, which oh, is wow. uh, 
And the reason that we have it every day is because one of the target, we have three target groups uh, and one of the target groups are 70 plus people who are 70 or more. Uh, and we were afraid it will spread, <laughs> of course. So that's why we have cleaning every day, but it's uh, in their rent. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I have to say, Dragan, like uh, Helsingborg is himself a uh, super interesting concept where you yeah. mix uh, both like elderly people, seniors, and and newly arrived uh, people from uh, from uh, abroad, uh, yes. refugees, right? And we have notched it up, uh, so it's uh, um, it's actually uh, a combination of. Uh, three target groups. Uh, we have also ordinary uh, youngsters uh, between mm. 18 and 25, uh, but we have notched it up uh, even more. So we meet uh, a society in a little form. So every, mm. uh, every tenant is different from the other in different ways. Uh, it's wow. uh, an integration project uh, also. So we hope that we will implement it uh, as a concept. Oh, well, we'll have to visit that one. As well. Yeah, yes, sounds awesome. yes, that's yes. That's so of course, uh, after after the COVID, uh, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm gonna have a check if there's any other questions. Feel free to unmute yourself as well if you, there's anything you want to ask. It's like now or never. Carla is a hard person to get uh, <laughs> to get to, so. Don't think that this uh, is ever this opportunity won't ever come again. No, I'm joking. No, I and, was going to say actually, I mean, if you guys want to add me on LinkedIn and just um, send me your questions later, or just want to connect, happy to, happy to, uh, you know, for you to reach out. Yeah, uh, Carla, would you you can actually uh, copy your URL uh, link sure. to your LinkedIn in the in the chat, so everyone would get that. And I mean, this is also a moment in time just to um, have any thoughts or ideas and uh, about co-living. Um, and if you want to bring up some sort of subject, this is time and place to do so as well uh, and network with the Nordic community and co-live. Oh, thanks, Carla. So you guys no have the link to uh, Carla's uh, LinkedIn profile in the chat that you can see on the right-hand side. I wonder if we have one last poll. I think uh, Kate uh, might have done one more, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, there should be another poll. So I will just launch it right no. Cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, and while you guys uh, answered this this poll, um, I would just like to share that. Um, so for this this semester, uh, Laura, we 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 have not um, booked any more more events. Uh, there might be one in the middle of, of summer, but as most people take some, uh, some vacations, I think we had the intention to do so as well uh, and come back in, um, in spring or sorry, autumn uh, with some fresh uh, events and uh, interesting speakers just like Carla and uh, the speakers before her. Um, 
Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else we, we would like to share, uh, Laura? Or is there anyone else that would like to share something interesting, co-living, all things co-living? I have, um, I have a yes. reflect. Uh, can you hear me well? Yeah. Yes. Um, in my, um, so I'm, uh, I'm co-founder of i6. i6 is a design and build company. Uh, we are construction engineers and we really focus on, on share living uses, uh, community-driven uses. So that's why I'm, I'm, I joined Colive one year ago uh, to network with everybody and understand well how you, how you guys work. Um, and from one of my past um, discussion with operators, I kind of understood that you guys have to ensure high occupancy, uh, generate demands, and you have to sign up the rentability for the investors um, and whatever would be the operational cost uh, for you, you have to ensure this rentability for the investor. That's my understanding. And then as I come from the construction industry, uh, we have two ways of making a, um, a building more sustainable through its construction phase and also through its operation phase by using a passive system, et cetera. So, um, in, for one year, I'm, I've been in, 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 the, in the following the Colliver uh, Summit. I never really heard uh, an operator talking about, okay, um, as we know that our rental price will be the same. Uh, maybe we should work on designing more sustainable uh, uh, building so that the operation in terms of energy cost, energy consumption will be lower and we can generate more margin and, and ensure our rentability to our investors. Um, I never really heard that, and I'm really asking, is that something that you guys, um, Carla or others, have, have thought of, or is that a, a point that you're not touching in your development? It's too far from you, maybe, is maybe the developer problem. Uh, I think it's a really, really uh, valuable insight. Uh, as I said, we, I don't think we have been confronted yet uh, mm. with, uh, you know, the design from A to Z of... Mm. of uh, an asset or a block. Um, we are working with developers uh, on some projects to, uh, to, to open in the next few years. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, it, uh, you know, it depends on who you work with, uh, what is their expertise and, and, and how they intend to, to build. Um, very, very interested in, in learning more and if you want to chat about this uh, offline that would be great to to know uh, how you think about that yes. and how we can how we can already you know just start thinking about those things so that when we get the opportunity to to because most of the time you know when we when we talk about those projects is yes we work with developers but they have their plan um in mm-hmm. france for instance we have a lot of um uh, we have real estate partners that have um, a charge, like uh, a lot of different criteria yeah. uh, that they want to, you know, when, when they talk to operators, they're like, okay, we want this operator to operate like this ABC so that it fits with our sustainability criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you match those criteria, then you just work with them. Um, but the construction and building is on, is on their side, right? Yeah. So, so it is, I would say, two different things, but, um, but we're learning more uh, when it comes to sustainability and construction. And as I said, you know, happy to, to discuss mm-hmm. that offline and, and see where we can, you know, maybe have touch points. Yes, super like that. Yeah. And, and to any other people in, here in the, in the talk, if you have ever heard of somebody that is really caring about operational costs, uh, I would be happy to, to get the name because it's really difficult for me. I thought 
I, I know like it's not the job of the property developer as, as it is making his profits on the development. The investor seems not to care as well because they would just want the rentability to be uh, obtained from the operators. I think well, it depends. I think sorry, depends I'm on sorry. the investor. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on on who the investor is. It depends if they have mm -hmm. uh, other smaller investors below them that actually do care about what they invest in and yeah. and the investment vehicles that are below them. Um, so we do work with investors that really care a great deal. We do work with. Um, other real estate companies that also want us to operate uh, as 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 sustainably as possible. Mm -hmm. um, on our side, though, as I said, you know, w w like most of the assets we get as of now are assets that are already yeah. built um, and that we can improve on a on a very low scale. Apart from what we provide, which is furniture and of course the people that live in and and incentivizing uh, sorry <clears throat> incentivizing them to. Uh, have a lower uh, energy consumption. So we kind of work with, with what we have, but whenever we have an opportunity to invest, um, to improve um, either energy consumption or how the asset is operated or, or built or converted, um, we definitely uh, definitely try to do that. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely should be part of the criteria from, from the investors. Uh, I, agree, I agree, but it looks to me that uh, the job is in the hand of the operator uh, to offer sustainable design. Oh, well, there is an, an opportunity here, I believe, uh, along with uh, investors that are ready to um, um, invest and get, I don't know, uh, green labels, uh, BRIAM or yeah. whatever, uh, the new label uh, E plus, e plus C minus in France. But um, of course, there are great push from regulation coming in France and to see how it goes. But uh, yeah, so far the money was talking first on the, on this aspect, but I believe there's oh. great potential. Uh, and but I, I, I would say that when, when we design um, spaces now for assets that have already been developed or in development, um, the fact that we are selling uh, family style living also really helps because obviously, you know, if you have studio apartments um, or apartments shared by like maybe two people, um, you need more appliances, you need more mm -hmm. furniture. Whereas here, again, family style, it means that you have maybe five, six, seven people that share a mm -hmm. table, eight chairs, uh, one dishwasher, et cetera, et cetera. So it's yeah. also more sustainable than just creating again those like micro micro living apartments. Even though we, you know, we are also thinking about potentially integrating them within the mix. I think family style is also something that is more sustainable, definitely, than micro units um, and kind of what we call factory style co-living. Yeah, I think co-living is already ticking the box for that aspect. And then it's more mm. of the energy consumption, but you guys mm. are more on the interior design aspect and all the layout, etc. Um, there's a job to be done on the, uh, on the overall uh, yeah, design and build of the, of the building. And this has to mm. be pushed by the investors, developed by the property developer, but uh, matching with the operator's needs uh, and requirements. Mm. Uh, yeah, happy to continue to talk. Thank you. Yeah, this is a super yeah. important topic. We should probably have a special, a special edition. That's a good uh, uh, tip for us as well, uh, Jonathan. We can... Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, the most uh, sustainable way of building co-living ever is not to do new stuff. We use the already built. Uh, so what you guys do at LifeX, uh, focusing or a lot in at least uh, Copenhagen, 
moving into already built assets um, mm. and utilizing that space in a much more mm. efficient way by, mm. by moving in a lot of people in one space mm. and, and uh, densifying the cities. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really a great way to move into more sustainable uh, city development. Um, yeah, do we have uh, any more um, things people want to share? Um, yes, I'd also have a question um, for Carla. Um, so, what, from what you've been saying, I could see that LifeX cares a lot about sustainability, and I've seen that in the past from my interaction with LifeX. And I have friends living there who have also really good experience. Oh, cool. um, living at LifeX <laughs> in Berlin, actually. Oh, nice. Um, which, uh, yeah. do you know where they live exactly? In which asset they live? Um, no, I don't, I don't know. But yeah. they, were, they, were, you, they were going into different co-living spaces and making friends. And actually, you know, there's quite a community within also people living in different uh, co-living spaces. But I know that with LifeX, um, people had made good friends so the uh, part of the community building and the diversity of tenants seems to be working out well here at least and i think probably copenhagen and other places as well um my question that i had for you um was also around the topic of sustainability and uh, i was wondering if you also um like you were touching on the furniture and the furniture mm -hmm. is kind of what we bring to the table what i care about in, in my business that i founded and I was wondering if you currently track the longevity of products or how often things break and have to go, you know, to the dumpster um, mm -hmm. and, you know, just all around, um, yeah, how much waste is being created through mm -hmm. that? Um, so super good point. Uh, first, I just want to say I'm very happy to hear that um, that your friends had a good experience at LifeX. Um, very good point. So I think that, um, you know, or I know that, you know, being a quite still a young company, um, we, you know, when we buy furniture, we, we have this kind of um, uh, idea that, for instance, um, the appliance the the furniture and appliances that we buy that are the the major ones i would say have to be of good quality because it's it's um what we call high friction so we have kind of a scale life x um we have low friction to high friction uh furniture and equipment and what we do is for the high friction equipment we buy very high quality and more expensive than average so that it lasts a minimum of x amount of years um I know that for, for instance, tables and couches and things that are high friction uh, pieces of furniture, we have a certain scale that we aim for in terms of uh, life, lifetime. Um, and so, you know, we're quite young, so we haven't been able to actually confirm that this was actually following our assumptions in terms of, uh, of lifetime uh, for those appliances, but we are currently putting, uh, I know our procurement, um, my colleague in procurement is currently putting up um, a whole kind of um, uh, system where we can actually track those things. We also have monthly budgets for uh, that are accounted for in our business cases for each asset for uh, repair and, and fixing. Uh, so those things are being uh, measured and calculating as of right now so that we're able to actually produce more precise numbers. 
but so far we have is those kind of scales for different types of furniture and equipment. And we're trying as hard as possible to actually follow those and, and make those assumptions, um, uh, you know, uh, confirm those assumptions. Um, so that's what I can say right now. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's already a good uh, good to hear that you care about it, that you put things in place, and maybe a shameless promotion. So we we I found a company called WeTrack, and we want to enable the inventory tracking, meaning mm -hmm. to actually track the longevity of products, so that on the one hand you can reduce uh, the waste produced over time by making a better decision based mm -hmm. on uh, the history of the usage, and that's uh, sustainable, but more so also controlling. A financial decision that you should take to get a better ROI, a return investment on any inventory um, uh, buying decision. Uh, so yeah, happy to discuss it also maybe in, uh, offline then. Yeah, super. Thank you for sharing. And I think that's definitely really important in that we are currently working our way through understanding how our furniture and equipment lives in the time. Um, but definitely, I can tell you that we can see already that you know, having operated since 2017, the core furniture we have in apartments is just really uh, not moving. Uh, it's it's really not being, uh, no need of being repaired as of yet, just because very, very high quality. I'm talking mainly about hay, shameless promotion for them, even though I don't work for them. But um, but the furniture we have um, is, is just super long lasting. And I've actually seen um, some of our members in apartments just move in and, and look around and and uh, being impressed by, you know, when I tell them, OK, this has been here since we opened. Um, they're actually really impressed um, that it's still looking brand new. Um, so it's definitely a topic for us. Two times cleaning also uh, has a good impact, I guess. Yes, definitely. I was going to say, I think that when we talked uh, earlier about cost, um, it's a cost on us. It's a cost that is also, um, you know, within the membership, obviously, of our members, but it definitely helps in one, um, keeping the assets in good shape and two, keeping the furniture uh, and the equipment in good shape as well. So it definitely participates. Yeah. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you so much, Carla. I think this is a really great insight. And I'm personally looking forward to like chatting again, maybe in a few years when you have like all that data on the assumptions that you've made. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I'd like to have a check in uh, again. I'm a big fan of uh, Hey uh, as well. Mm -hmm. I think so, they do uh, amazing, not just in terms of aesthetic, but as I said, really quality is really outstanding. So, super. Um, I think we can end it uh, here so uh, we, we won't keep people too long this morning. I'm really grateful for everyone who joined. I know there were some people uh, from America that uh, were really gutted. Uh, it's too early, it's like four o'clock, uh, five o'clock in the morning for them. So they were like, oh, we hate you, Laura, for organizing these morning <laughs> chats. So maybe next time we should do an evening one so that uh, also the American part can join uh, can join LifeX uh, and uh, and know more about you because it's quite uh, quite nice and cozy environment. I mean, in the Nordic mm -hmm. meet, we're not so many people, so mm -hmm. it really gets uh, to uh, like you do in your co-living spaces as well, a familiar a familiar level. Yeah, super. And thank you so much again uh, for all the questions um, available on LinkedIn, as I said. And thanks, Laura, again, and all the team for the organization and invitation. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jonathan, as well, and uh, Kate for, for everything. 
Yes, yes. Thank you, Carlos, so much for for uh, sharing your your thoughts, ideas, and learnings and experience from from LifeX uh, and your journey. And of course, I mean, uh, thank you everyone for for joining uh, this uh, CoLive Nordic meetup. And uh, as mentioned previously, uh, we will come back in in autumn, uh, if not during summer. But that's a uh, that's something we'll leave off for now. Um, yeah. Laura, do you have any last remarks, thoughts, or does anyone else have something they want to share before we, we leave? Well, let's cheer Colleague, guys. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yay. Go, right. Alex. <laughs> Super. Going thanks out with the boom. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. Have a great day. Thanks again for joining us today. And from all of us here at CoLive, we hope you learned a lot and maybe even picked up a few pieces of wisdom to help expand the CoLiving movement. To check out the CoLive membership that will allow you to connect with other leading CoLiving professionals, or even just to stay updated on future podcasts and upcoming events, head over to colive.org. Again, that's co-liv.org. Thanks again for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode.